Once upon a time, there was a little mermaid. She was the daughter of the king of the sea, but she was always dreaming about what life would be like on land. She loved everything to do with the world above. She had a huge collection of things that had fallen off of the humans' boats into the ocean and trinkets that had gone down with the sinking ships. But she wasn't content, no matter how many human things she collected. One night, she swam to the surface and saw a grand ship. Standing at the helm was a handsome young man, a prince who was also the captain. It was love at first sight for her. After that trip, the little mermaid was more determined than ever to find a way to walk on land with the humans, to trade her fins for legs and feet. She went to a sea witch to see if she could help. The witch agreed to help her, but there was a catch. She would turn the little mermaid into a human, but she would not be able to talk or sing. She would have no voice at all. Plus, she would have to get the prince to kiss her before three days were up. If not, her soul would belong to the sea witch and she would be a prisoner forever in her garden. Wait, why do I have to get the prince to kiss me? Why is he even involved in this? The little mermaid asked once the witch had explained the contract. Is any the reason why you want to go up there? To get him to fall in love with you? Replied the bewildered witch. No, not at all. When I said I fell in love, I meant with a ship. I want to be the captain of that ship. The little mermaid explained. I'm willing to pay a price, but there's a line. I think I'll find a less catchy way to do that, thanks. She swam away and found a school for sea witches, where she learned how to cast her own spells and brew her own potions. After graduating with honors, she managed to turn herself into a human and got a job on the grand ship. Years later, she eventually achieved her dream and became the captain. And then she lived happily ever after. Welcome to Banana Q Podcast. March Day is International Women's Day, so today's topic is about challenges that women face. I am Dee, and for today's special episode, my co-host is Tyne, my friend who has appeared in our previous episodes. Hi, Tyne! Hi, Dee! You know what's funny? Uh-huh. Well, when you were mentioning about this special day, is that I wonder why does the world even have to designate this day for women? The reason why we continue to celebrate this one day to remind people that we need to do this for women is because even though much progress has been made to protect and promote women's rights in recent times, nowhere in the world can women claim to have all the same rights and opportunities as men. Till now? Yeah, until now. It's the same way why we have pride parades because people need to be reminded that gay people also have rights. But we don't have straight parades because there is no need to do that. Straight people already have rights. <laughs> so that is why we do not celebrate International Men's Day because they already have all the have the advantage already. <laughs> when I was a little girl, I loved reading and watching fairy tales. And since most of them were love stories, I grew up believing that my number one goal in life was to find a Prince Charming to save me so I could have my happily ever after. 
And I remember my favorite movie was The Little Mermaid in which Ariel gave up her most important talent, which is to sing, just so she can pursue some random dude that she had never even really talked to, which I now realize was a very dysfunctional way of thinking. I suppose it kind of mirrored what happened to me in real life, like because when I was growing up, I remember I was often told by supposedly well-meaning people that while out on dates, I should tone down my intelligence because it intimidated men. Whoa. Yeah, well, as for me, I remember growing up feeling like we are in a military camp, having a disciplinarian father who was a police officer. Oh. Yeah, I was boyish as a child, and I used to play with toy guns. <laughs> I only had my first Barbie doll when I was nine years old. So yeah, though, I must say, as a young girl, I enjoyed watching fairy tale movies of, you know, princesses who are being rescued by some charming princess. But... I felt none of their stories really resonated best with my own person until Mulan came out in 1998. Yeah, according to this Weebly article, I read that Mulan highlights the idea that women can only bring honor to their families by becoming a bride. I remember also Bridgerton for some reason. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> and uh, so interestingly, it's across different cultures, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, a servant to a man who is only there, you know, to pour tea and be gracious. With this film, it empowers young girls to pursue a career and whoever they strongly feel they want to become or do in life. Interestingly, in college, I well remember a classmate who spoke passionately about pursuing her dreams, which are, by the way, beyond just being married, (laughs) as opposed to what they were told as young girls in their town. I was like, you go, girl. (laughs) So, yeah, all the more I was empowered to pursue my personal career goals, even at the cost of my relationship at that time. Yeah, which is actually good, right? Because not a lot of women feel that same way. Some would just be like Ariel, (laughs) 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 which is the product of their media or what they are told. Yeah, or like bumpful in distress, you know, waiting to be by a prince of those stereotypes. (laughs) Yes, that's why I feel like nowadays it's better because the media has improved, right? Girl power is an in thing. Like we have Frozen or Brave. Yeah. So it's not just about finding a guy in order to be happy anymore. So little girls are now woke or whatever it's called. Aside from women being asked to park their careers once they get married, another setback that women experience in the workplace is confidence issues. A few years ago, I read a very eye-opening book called Lean In, written by Sheryl Sandberg. She is the COO of Facebook. Mm. So in it, she mentions that in Harvard, she had attended a talk called Feeling Like a Fraud, in which the keynote speaker explained that many people, but especially women, feel fraudulent when they are praised for their accomplishments. Instead of feeling worthy of recognition, they feel undeserving and guilty, as if a mistake has been made. Despite being high achievers, even experts in their fields, women can't seem to shake the sense that it is only a matter of time until they are found out for who they really are, imposters with limited skills or abilities. Now, this phenomenon of capable people being plagued by self-doubt has a name, the imposter syndrome. Both men and women are susceptible to it, but women tend to experience it more intensely and be more limited by it. For women, feeling like a fraud is a symptom of a greater problem, 
We consistently underestimate ourselves. We lack confidence. Multiple studies, in fact, in multiple industries show that women often judge their own performance as worse than it actually is, while men judge their own performance as better than it actually is. And in situations where a man and a woman each receive negative feedback, the woman's self-confidence and self-esteem drop to a much greater degree. The internalization of failure and the insecurity it breeds hurt future performance. So this pattern has serious long-term consequences. That's so true, Dia. Like you just don't feel you deserve the recognition because maybe you hold yourself to a higher standard. You know what I mean? Like, why do we women uh, tend to actually really look down on ourselves? And I think over the years, that has been really a, a struggle, even for even for myself. When I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this. You know, when I told women about this, a lot of them agreed with this book and with me. Like, oh yeah, why are we like that? Yeah, somewhat related to that is another struggle that we women face is, you know, struggling to find your seat at the table. A challenge for women in the workplace is getting the same opportunities as men. A study by McKenzie revealed that one in five C-suite leaders are women. So typically, men are expected to develop into a role, whereas women are expected to have demonstrated achievement prior to have being considered, which feels like we have a lot more gap to fill in order for us to feel entitled for the role or for the promotion or recognition. Women's ability to lead is often undermined by gender stereotypes, which leaders need to be more mindful of. Yeah, 31% actually of women in the same McKenzie study stated they had to provide more evidence of competency, rising to 42% of Black women compared to just 16% of men. This highlights the discrimination that minority groups, particularly women, are subject to. Well, that's a sad reality. It's probably somewhat related to the confidence thing I mentioned earlier as well. Like if there is, for example, an opening for a promotion, like usually men would be very quick to apply for it. For example, there's usually like a list of like 10 things that is listed that you need to have achieved. Men, even if they just achieve like half of that, they will apply. Women were like, oh, I need to have all those 10 things before she would even consider applying. And I've also noticed the same thing with my friends. Like um, when I talk to my friends and then they're saying like their bosses would even say, don't you want to apply for, let's say, a manager role? And then they usually don't want to. They feel that they are not ready, that they are not managerial material and all those things. But men don't usually say those things. The seat at the table, we don't get it because we women ourselves, we don't present ourselves, right? We do not actually ask for seats at the table. Yeah, it's hard for ourselves to put ourselves out there. Mm -hmm. There is uh, like a, a subconscious bias that women should just wait on something you know not a go-getter yes that's how i i see where the problem lies yeah yeah so um, aside from this another challenge women face is microaggression so a massive 64 percent of women have experienced this at work so what is microaggression this is everyday sexism or racism or elusive comments that often go unreported Now, I'm sad to say that in our home country, the Philippines, sexism is actually very much a thing that is more pronounced. 
So women are more objectified there as a matter of course, like it's normal. I've noticed the disparity even more because I lived in the Philippines and in Singapore and in Hong Kong. Remember in the Philippines, it was very common to get catcalled while you're just walking down the street, even if you know you're just wearing your school uniform or something. It's not something that happens in Singapore or Hong Kong. In the Philippines, if you get harassed, People will use the excuse that that's normal. Boys will be boys. I read somewhere that uh, someone commented on a daughter who was wearing a skirt. So that person told the mother, why don't you teach your daughter to wear modest clothes? And so the mother responded, why don't you teach your son to respect women? It's like victim blaming. Exactly. Why can't we wear whatever we want? Yeah. I also have my personal experience of, you know, being sexually harassed at work. I remember back when I was just starting my career. And one day I was working with my manager and this other manager from another team in his late 40s just stopped by in front of us and stared at me for the longest time, smilingly dropped some below-the-belt sexist comment. What was actually disturbing for me was this lady manager who was sitting beside me just laughed with him. Oh, yeah. So back then, I just dismissed it, but I really felt offended by it. Why don't we just, like, let go of it and accept how we are treated back then, especially back home? It's so sad. I hope it's not the case anymore nowadays there, but I never experienced that kind of treatment here in Canada because there is always that rule, you know, highlighting that sexism is highly prohibited in the work environment. In my former company, we also had an office in Canada And there were actually a lot of cases where men were fired because of sexual harassment. I don't think that's very common in the Philippines or even in Asia, really. In Singapore, there were also like a few cases where it seemed like the guy was being too handsy with the woman. Maybe not inside the office itself, but like at an office event. But Asians normally wouldn't report that to HR. Unlike, say, in Canada, right? Then they would immediately get fired. Exactly. I don't know why that is. Because like you, of course, I've also experienced a lot of sexual harassment harassment in the Philippines especially. So yeah, I hope that we will eventually (laughs) get to a place when the women in the next generations Mm -hmm. do not experience these kinds of things. Yeah, I think it brings us back to the time, you know, how women are just treated as a subordinate, a second class. It's so sad. Yeah, and also I think in the past five years or so, there's this Me Too movement that has emerged in Hollywood and it's because like, you know, somebody actually went and told everyone through social media that she experienced harassment and a lot of women stepped up and said that happened to me too and then because of this a lot of hollywood executives have been fired and this is like a start maybe eventually we will get to a point where men know that it's not right that boys will be boys is not a good excuse that they actually should respect women and not objectify them It's not only a a call for men to actually respect women and regard women as more than just someone to be objectified. Because this is what happened to me, right? We we women should actually not tolerate it as well. Like another woman was like sitting beside me and she just tolerated all that and and didn't even like call out the other manager for doing that to me. Yeah. So I I guess it's also uh, upon us women to also respect and protect each other and have that mindset we shouldn't really settle for this and we shouldn't tolerate this you have a great point yeah we should have each other's back yeah uh, you know if we witness that happening to any other women like especially the younger ones we need to protect them we need to be the ones 
brave enough to tell the men off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if they make an excuse saying like, why are you so sensitive? This is just me being a guy. We should feel empowered to push back and tell him that is not right. True. Because the younger people tend to be afraid to speak up, especially in the workplace. Like, okay, if that guy harassed them is like the boss, then they need another boss to shield them. Yeah. Uh, that's so sad, but there's something that we can do. It's not like we can just let it slip away and accept it as it is. Yeah. Let's take a break. Here's a message from another Filipino podcast. Mabuhay. My name is Christine, and I'm a Filipina-German podcaster based in the UK. I host a podcast called Lagim. Lagim is a Filipino word for dread or terror, but don't worry. The podcast is all in English. Every two weeks, I feature infamous and also lesser-known true crime stories from the Philippines. So find Lagim on any of your preferred podcasting platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Just type Lagim Podcast into the search bar, that is L-A-G-I-M, and then podcasts, and get ready for some true crime stories, Filipino style. And now, back to Banana Key Podcast. So the last challenge that we are confronted with is the likability dilemma of women leaders. I would refer to a TED Talk that I heard from Robin Hauser in an article by Maria Katsarao of an interesting case study conducted by Professor Frank Flynn of Columbia Business School about Heidi Roizen, who was a successful Silicon Valley venture capitalist. Professor Flynn presented half his class with this case with Heidi's name on it and gave half the class the same case with her name changed to Howard. The students rated Howard and Heidi equally competent, but they like Howard, but not Heidi. Hmm. <laughs> and you know why? Students felt Heidi was significantly less likable and worthy of being hired than Howard and perceived her as more selfish than Howard. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, Deborah Gruenfield of Stanford's uh, Graduate School of Business cited the same study, adding that the more assertive a student found the female venture capitalist to be, in mo- the more they rejected her. The essence is that the research has demonstrated a negative correlation for women between power and success. For men, on the other hand, the relationship is positive. That is, successful men are perceived as more powerful and are revered. Mm-hmm. A fundamental challenge to women's leadership arises from the mismatch between the qualities traditionally associated with leaders and those traditionally associated with women, like being you know, assertive, being authoritative, and being dominant. People link this to a leadership and not viewed as attractive in women. Unfortunately, yeah. And just to point out that actually this same study was also mentioned in Sheryl Sandberg's book. So it's really a popular study. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. No, we, we read different articles, but they had all the same reference. Personally, I, I think I uh, having climbed up the ranks in my career all these years, I currently hold a leadership position as well. And I'm confronted with the dilemma on whether I should be tough as to be able to perform my perceived leadership role or you know, just keep being gentle to be likable. Yeah. I always come across situations where I would 
somehow feel apologetic for being assertive and forward in my communications. But then, you know, someone told me that Mm -hmm. in my position right now, sometimes I have to be ruthless. Maybe I just feel like, you know, I have this notion that to be a likable leader, I need to be always nurturing, gentle, and agreeable. Those characteristics which are associated best with women. Yeah, motherly (laughs) behavior, right? Exactly. So more often than not, I find it hard to strike a balance between, you know, being tough and being gentle as well. It's unfair. Like that study, right, highlighted they they had the exact same traits, but just because it's gender-bent, suddenly they're perceived differently. They often say that, you know, the word bossy is usually used to describe women and not men exactly why is it like that even in just in the the way women are portrayed in media if a woman is very career oriented then people really don't see her nicely like even in movies yeah. right like the devil wears prada yeah <laughs> like just because uh, meryl streep's character she is at the top of her game but people see her as the devil but If a man is like that, I don't think he's going to be portrayed that way. Her natural selves. Yeah, like, okay, that's normal. Yeah. I just realized that even though there are a lot of women in positions of leadership such as yourself, in our previous company, I remember my former boss saying that it's still very male-dominated. Probably because women are striking a balance, they're trying not to be too aggressive. Mm -hmm. Maybe men don't really need to think this way and they're just aggressive. That's it. But women have to like, oh, I need to be not so aggressive and tone this down a bit because you want to be likable. And as a result... You also don't get a lot more seats at the table. Yeah. And another problem is that even if women don't think this way, people think that way about them. Like, oh, she's a woman. She just got married. She will probably not be a good MD because she's going to prioritize her children over her work. That sort of thing. So take maternity leave. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, even if they don't say this, that's w- how men perceive them. That is probably also another reason why women don't rise as quickly. Yeah, and you know what? Sadly, the all these struggles, these challenges that we mentioned, it's not really just how men perceive women, but the society, which includes women ourselves. So that is the sad part there. All these years, we have, you know, long history of fighting for our equal rights, equality and whatnot. But we women should also be reminded that it's one to actually fight for your right as a woman. It's another to actually know, like, how to lift someone else's up as well. To your point, I am not vilifying men. This is not entirely their fault. We women Mm -hmm. also play a huge part in this. As you said, we need to also be supportive of our fellow women. Yes. Like the feminism movement, which started a long time ago. Now, there's like a lot of misconceptions about the word feminism itself, that we are trying to say that women are better than men. We are not. Feminism, even though that is the name, and I think that is why there is a lot of misconception because of the word but it's not about women being better than men. It's about trying to get equality, right? So that means, equality, yeah, so that yes. women and men can, you know, stand beside each other. But the problem is, a lot of the times, as you said, it is women themselves who are like pulling down the other women or saying like, I don't yes. need feminism. Like, I don't know why they need to fight for it. I'm already experiencing equal rights when in reality you are not. Yeah. Why do we vilify other women? Like a lot of women, as you said, they are the ones who look bad at these women who are trying to be leaders. Like, why is she not taking care of her kids? Exactly. 
Um, yeah, like why just look after her family, you know, mm-hmm. instead of like spending long hours at work or whatnot. Well, that's a different story. But yeah. to my point, I said like, it's just unfortunate that as we have come a long way, you know, fighting for equality and whatnot, we also have to be the front runner to this advocacy yeah, to remind each other of what we're really fighting for. Be supportive of each other. You know, if you want to be a housewife, we are also not putting that down. Definitely. Um, you can do that. Like, do whatever you want. Like, you shouldn't put down a woman's choice. She should have a choice in whatever it is that she wants to do. I remember when we were in college, okay, we had this teacher and he was asking, if you get married and have kids, are you going to stop working? And I remember I was the one that he called upon to answer this question and I just said like of course I'm not going to stop working I want to work and then he looked at me funny and he criticized me for my choice but he was already saying I shouldn't do that that I should stop working and take care of my kids at home because for him that's what a women's role should be which I thought is offensive like why would you impose that if a woman wants to continue to work why not? Yeah. And why is the onus on women to do that? The good thing about modern times is that there are studies saying that um, men are women and women are actually a bit more equal now when it comes to caregiving in, you know, in the 80s or be- before that. A lot of men had never even changed a diaper. Whereas now, um, it- it's an equal thing. Men also take care of their babies now. So that's a good thing. So we are being more progressive now. Yeah, true. And like looking back as well, like in relation to what you said, you know, to be honest, I do not regret pursuing my career goals, whatever it took. Because in the end, I realized I didn't want to be just an appendage of someone's success. I didn't want to be remembered as someone's wife or not to say that I didn't desire to be a wife. I do. I certainly do. It's just that I feel like I am empowered to be the best version of my own person beyond just you know, what the society dictates of where my life should be. We're not saying that you should just take one over the other, right? Just because you are pursuing your career doesn't mean that you cannot have a love life as well. Just to clarify to people that we're not saying that you cannot have a prince as well. Because you can, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And while this episode is applicable to all women all over the globe, because it is International Women's Day after all, I feel that this is probably even more applicable to Filipino women. Because I remember when I first read Lean In, I raved about it to my female friends and they all agreed with me. One of them actually mentioned that the confidence issue is probably way worse in Filipino women because Filipinos are, as a whole, right? We are not very upfront people. Yeah. Um, usually when we are abroad, we don't get promoted as quickly as other nationalities because we tend not to know how to sell ourselves. Mm-hmm. I remember we were having this conversation with a lot of Filipinos in my previous company. So so we all feel mm-hmm. that way regardless of whether we are men or women. Now imagine though that if you are a woman, a Filipino woman who grew up thinking that you are just secondary to men. That you know, if you get married, your husband is supposed to be the head of the household. And his word is supposed to be law. You will feel this even more, right? Yeah. We hope that we have like um, imparted some knowledge. Yeah. Insert I Am A Woman song. Remember? <laughs> From uh, Sex and the City. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, yeah. And then as we mentioned earlier, the way to get there and the way to be on equal footing with men for women, first of all, to get over 
our confidence issues, to realize that we are just as good as we really are, and to fight for a seat at the table just the same way that a man would. Yeah. Okay, so the best way to end this, I suppose, is with a song. Oh yes, I am wise, but it's wisdom more than pain. And I've paid the price, but look how much I gain. If I have to, I can do anything. I am strong. I am invincible. I am a woman.